The last couple of episodes that I made seem to have attracted quite a bit of attention on Twitter, which is great. So if there are any new listeners and this is your first episode, welcome. This is a podcast where I talk about an experimental programming environment that I am working on very slowly on the scale of my, my goal is to have it be a decade scale project. I've done a few of those in the past and they work out nicely for me. So this is going to be probably my third kind of decade scale project. Of course, they overlap. <laughs> I am not that old. So uh, the last couple of episodes have also been focused on things that are not directly relevant to the Hest project itself. They've been things sort of about visual programming languages more broadly and about the things that I've learned while working on Hest and, and the opinions that I've formed about node and wire style programming tools. This week, it's going to be back to me talking about Hest stuff. And what I want to talk about today is um, sort of along the theme that some of the episodes have had where I'm thinking about, you know, just the scope of the project and the level of ambition that I have for certain areas. And this time I want to talk about what I will do if as I work on this project, I find that there are some things that I just can't achieve, that either I don't have the time or I don't have a breakthrough in an area that I'm currently stuck on or I don't have the resources to do it the way I'd want to or if just if things don't work out, what am I going to do? Because uh, I think that's interesting. There's um, some sayings that I really like. I don't know who these sayings could be attributed to, but basically that it's not just about having priorities, but the order that your priorities are in is very important too. And so I want to talk about what are the order of priorities for Hest. And that relates to the purpose behind this project, why I'm building it in the first place. And that is it's a tool for the company that I work for. Um, we make these interactive animations that teach people how heavy machines work. If you want to learn more about that, I did a recent episode about these things called live schematics. You might find that interesting. And so this programming environment is meant to be a an environment in which you can do a little bit of drawing using some actual vector drawing tools and then do some programming with the programming model emerging from those same vector graphics tools. And so it's sort of foundational that this environment be a vector graphics editor. So one of the highest priorities, one of the first things I'm going to keep, even if some of the more ambitious programming stuff doesn't pan out, is the the canvas and the vector graphics and the ability to do drawing in this tool. And so it will, at the very minimum, be an environment with a nice big canvas and some kind of interface with tools and maybe even a property panel off to the side, like in a very traditional kind of way. You'll be able to take uh, an SVG or a ping or maybe even a 3D model because we have a, a 3D animator on our team and bring those assets into the environment onto the canvas and they'll just be you know splatted on there even in, a, in the most basic way as just like a, a bounding box around a flat graphic that you can't edit but you can just move it around and position it where you wanted. So even at the most minimal level there will be some graphics canvas and the ability to move things around in it. And of course depending on how the project goes, depending on how much I'm able to achieve, it would be nice to be able to have, you know, if you bring in an SVG, the ability to open the SVG up and move the individual pieces of it around or maybe change colors and and change shapes, you know, all the way up to being a full vector graphics editor like Sketch or something like that. 
I don't actually want to build a full vector graphics editor. I would much rather somebody do their vector graphics work in a dedicated tool that does a good job of that. And I'm just able to kind of participate in that work a little bit, sort of in the same way that like a game engine like Unity allows you to bring in some 3D models and you can still position, rotate, scale, do some simple transformations. It still has to understand stuff like bones for skeletal animation and that kind of thing. Like there's a little bit of capability there, but Unity is not a full 3D modeler. And I don't suspect that they have ambitions to become a full 3D modeler. You'll still use a dedicated tool like Maya or Moto or something to do your 3D modeling, then you'll bring it into Unity to put that 3D model into a game and add the dynamic behavior. I see Hest being very similar. It's not going to be a full-featured, first-class vector graphics app, but it should be able to uh, comfortably speak the language of vector graphics and offer art-focused tools that are about working with and manipulating vector graphics. So that is the number one top priority. Next to that, we get into the programming kind of stuff. And this is where it gets a little more murky because the programming stuff is all kind of circularly dependent at a conceptual level, at least the way I've designed it so far. So my thinking there is that I think the easy way to say that there could be a simpler version of what I'm designing would be to just kind of fall back on the parts of HEST that are borrowing from existing node wire programming languages. So it's conceivable that there could be a version of HEST that doesn't actually show data flowing along paths, that you don't have your nodes arranged you know, in, in whatever spatial way you want them and with wires connecting the different nodes together where in the current prototypes that I'm building, you know, when you run execution forward at a rate of your choosing, you see actual data points flowing along the wires going from node to node and those data points undergoing whatever transformations they undergo and those data points showing a little preview of what data they contain. So if you look closely at them, you can see what their contents are and, you know, the overall experience of working with Hest being something where you as the programmer, drive execution and you are present in the space where execution is happening. That stuff, that's kind of like the hook of what makes Hest interesting. That's also the easiest stuff to get rid of because the space in which that stuff exists as part of a programming model is unexplored aside from Hest and a few other projects that have tried this kind of thing. Whereas the space of using nodes and wires to express program logic and to hook up you know, data transformations that have a certain directed order to them, that's a very well-explored space. And so a lot of the questions about how to do that well are answered. So it's easier to build that kind of thing. And so if I had to start sacrificing stuff that I want to build, the 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 novel stuff in Hest would probably be the first on the chopping block when it comes to program logic. And what would remain would be a fairly conventional node wire programming tool that just so happened to put those nodes and wires in the same space as the graphics that you are working with. And that's how I would do that. Even if I had to get rid of points flowing around, I would still want to have the nodes in the same space as the graphics. And because the the graphics that you're manipulating are 
you know, going to be built with the same primitives as what the programming graphics are built with. Like it's going to be the same vector graphics engine powering both the the art tool part of Hest and the programming tool part of Hest. I want the same editing tools to be applicable to both, you know, selection, moving, you know, those organizational tools that you use in space. Um, there's no reason to have a completely separate set of tools for graphical programming separate from graphical imagery. So I think these things so far, it, it would be very surprising to me if I wasn't able to hit both of these aspects of, you know, a basic but capable graphics environment and a basic but capable node wire programming environment, both on the same canvas. That's like, I already have that. So that seems doable on the scale of a decade, just working on this project little by little as I go. So we're probably going to have something more than that. The The next aspects that I'm sort of unsure about are when you get into the programming model, like having the actual points flow along is great, um, but there are still these open questions. How do you have functions that take more than one argument? How do you have an abstraction that doesn't break the spatial metaphor? And that's where it gets a little bit murkier. Like I could see myself needing to compromise on some of the spatial metaphor kind of stuff in order to get functions that take more than one argument. I could see myself very easily getting rid of rewind. If I had to get rid of something that was making the environment more complicated, rewind would be really, really easy to chop out and say, look, if you want to test your programming in a participatory way, you can drive time forward at a rate of your choosing, but when you want to roll backwards, it's either severely curtailed or you just have to restart execution from the beginning. Sorry about that. There's also different levels at which I could compromise rewind. So for instance, the rewinding experience that I want to have that I'm designing around is that you run execution forward until you hit a spot where you want to make some changes. You pause execution. You have your data there present with you at that paused moment and you can pull it off of the wires along which it's being conveyed if you want and just kind of stash it you know in the corner of the screen or wherever you want to hold on to your data you can go to the program graph go to the wires and the nodes unhook stuff bring new nodes in hook stuff up again change things around and then put your data back onto the wires that you took it off from if you took it off from those wires because that's that's another benefit of of something I've ranted about recently, which is if if the wires disappear as soon as you disconnect them, you can't put data points traveling along them or those data points are going to disappear too. And that breaks this editing experience. So keeping the wires around means the points that are on those wires stay there when you disconnect them. And then when you reconnect them, those those data points are still still there. Um, so you, you hook it all back up again and then you resume execution. And the execution resumes as if those edits that you made had been there you know, uh, as, as part of the program, not had been there all along because the state of your program, the exact configuration of data would have been dependent on the logic that existed before your changes. And so you make some changes and now there's this new logic, but the, the, it's like hot module replacement or something like that, but in a way where your data is present with you in the space graphically, and you can see it and touch it and move it around and, and work with it in a way that goes a lot deeper than a traditional debugger tool allows. So that, that experience could also be easy to cut out if it proves difficult to do, where I could just say, look, you can run your program and, and follow what's happening, but as soon as you get to a spot where you need to make some changes, I'm sorry, but then the data all has to go away. And that would be 
worse than what I'm hoping for, but it would still be better than what current node wire programming tools allow because current node wire programming tools only run at full speed. They don't have this idea of slow motion execution where you can actually see your data moving through space and, and traveling to each of the nodes and, and follow its evolution. Another thing that would be very easy to change the scope of is some of the more ambitious goals that I have for how data is depicted and how functions are depicted. So I've talked about this a little bit in passing, but one of the things that I really want to do is, in addition to showing data as an abstracted form where it is a single point that moves through your program graph, I also want to be able to have some way to zoom in on the data and see and work with it as a literal representation. That's something that very much like what I'm doing with the vector graphics side. If I am able to, I would love to have, you know, a nice system for, say, working with JSON data or textual data or, you know, graphical data that lives inside of your data point and that is moving through your graph. Uh, But if I can't do that, or if that's, you know, proves too challenging for a single person working on this on a kind of a part-time basis, that's something that's very easy to cut out. And it would just be that very much like the prototypes I have now, data is just this sort of opaque thing. And you can you can know that it's referencing something that has some more interesting literal value. But if you want to go do some work with that literal value, you've got to take it to a separate tool that is more suited for that. And that's actually something that I'm warming up to a lot. I've, I've talked about this a little bit before, but I, I really like the idea of making HEST something that integrates with other existing programs in as many ways as possible. So it's not just that it should play nicely with underlying JavaScript that's available or be able to talk to other things locally through some kind of networking system. Um, But I think it would be really nice to set it up so that if you have some literal data and you want to edit it, maybe that opens up in a separate program that is like dedicated for that thing. And when you save in that program, the save comes right back into Hest. Um, and that could interact in some really interesting ways with the time travel stuff, where if you you know, are, are pausing your execution, you got some point that's there and it's got some data in it and you go, ah, oh, no, that's not quite the data I wanted. And that data is like, you know, a, a blob of JSON. I love pointing at JSON. I don't know why. Um, let's say it's a blob of XML. You just, uh, you know, double click on that thing and instead of opening up in Hest, it opens up in a text editor because it's text. You use a text editor to make the changes, you save it, and then those those changes are reflected in Hest right in that moment. And so there's there's probably some interplay that can go on there between the programming work that you're doing in Hest and a traditional editor that is much more suited to a particular kind of data, a particular shape of data. So the one last thing that I will say, which would be very, very easy to get rid of, is anything that is like emergently weird from Hest. So there's this like wonderful strain of of emergent behavior that I don't know how to square that with my understanding of how, how programming works. Like if you create a an edge, I, I'm not using edge anymore, I'm using wire, I've decided. Um, if you make a, a wire and then uh, you put some point that is traveling along that wire as part of the execution model, but that point that is traveling along is actually a point that is part of the definition of another edge, then you have an edge that's going to like change its shape and contort and move as execution progresses. And that, that oh, I'm saying edge again, that wire that is changing shape and contorting and moving, you can put data on that wire and it will hypothetically move along. So one really easy thing to do would be to say, data points that are at rest are functions. Data points that are in motion are data. Wires that are at rest are conveyors 
and wires that are in motion are just nothing. 